Welcome to the Fellowship HSM podcast. These teachings are recorded weekly at our gathering for high school students at Fellowship Church. If you'd like more information about high school ministry at Fellowship, or if you'd like to join us for one of our weekly gatherings, you can find more information at our website, fellowshipknox.org students. Have a seat. Have a seat. What's up? How are we? Let's go. Thanks, Elijah Davis. Let's go. Let's go. Thanks, Elijah, my number one fan. Uh, Guys, it's so good to see you. Good to be back. Um, I need to start with an apology. Uh, Some of you might quickly be thinking, Dylan sure does sound snotty and gross tonight. It's because I am. Uh, My wife and I went and took maternity pictures um, in Iams, and we took pictures in a field where I'm pretty sure I was allergic to every living thing that was growing in said field, and just up here has been a wreck ever since. It's fine. We're going to persevere. We're going to pull through it. It's so good to see you. I'm glad we're back. Uh, for those of you who have may, may have not been here, we've been in a series called Saved. And this series is all about the gospel, okay? And we began this series by talking about sin and what it is and why it's bad and why exactly we as a people need saving from it. And if I can, uh, to set the tone for this third and final week of our series, I'd like to give us just a quick recap of everything that we've talked about. See, we began by discussing that sin is ultimately missing the mark, right? We were created. We were designed by God to praise and worship him. And he gave us gifts to use to give him glory. But instead, we chose to make gods out of the gifts that God gave us, and we worshiped ourselves. And thus, sin entered the world, It's because of that sin that we're all ultimately broken, right? We were hopeless. There was nothing we could bring to the table, nothing we could offer, nothing that we could exchange on behalf of God's forgiveness. And it was because of that sin that we deserve to face the eternal wrath of God. But instead, because of the perfect love of God, God stepped down from heaven to earth in the form of a man named Jesus. And having knew no sin, Jesus became sin on our behalf. And I'm sure some of you have heard that statement before. And what it means is that God looked at his son, right? God looked at Jesus as though he were guilty of every sin that had been or would ever be committed, And so God poured out the entire cup of his wrath on his son while he was on the cross. And Jesus took of that cup and he drank it until it was bone dry and not a single drop remained. You see, while Jesus was on the cross, God crushed him. And we know from Isaiah chapter 53 that it pleased him to do so. And it's because of Christ's substitution on our behalf that we now stand completely forgiven, right? Our sin has been and is continuing to be totally washed away by the perfect blood of Jesus. And when God looks at you now, he only sees the righteousness of Jesus. You see, because of our sin, we deserved hell. And that's true, we did we deserve to be the ones that were hung on the cross. 
We deserved eternal death. But because of Jesus, what we received instead was eternal life. And that's called grace. That's called grace because we received something that we couldn't possibly earn. That's called grace because we received something that we did not deserve. Grace. And once we receive that grace, we can often be left with a question. And that question is this, what now? What now? Like Dylan, I know I'm a new creation. Right, Dylan, I know I've been brought from death into life. I know because of the blood of Jesus, I was blind and now I see. I know I can never go back to who I was, but if I'm being honest, I'm just not sure how to move forward. It can feel like we've been placed into a brand new environment with a blindfold over our eyes. So how do we live as a saved people? And if I'm being honest, we as a people have a tendency to shift into one of two different directions and neither of which are representative of the gospel. And the first direction that we can shift is, is towards this, this mindset. And it's the mindset that what you do doesn't matter because in the end, it'll all be forgiven. And this idea comes from a people called the libertines, okay? And what the libertines believed is that you can do whatever you want with your body, right? You can live however, you can do whatever, and you don't need to adhere to anything that Jesus says because in the end, he'll forgive you. And I wanna shut this idea down as quickly as possible because to make the claim that you're free because you can continue to hold to the chains that once held you captive is one of the biggest, most self-contradictory statements that you can make. See, Isaiah chapter six, verse two says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And then again, in Colossians chapter three, it says this, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You see, it makes no sense that we would continue to walk in the thing that's actively trying to destroy us. It makes no sense that we would continue to walk in the thing that's actively trying to separate us from our creator. And ultimately it's a despicable and an ugly thing to continue to cling to the evil that Jesus died to save you from. And that's the first direction we can shift. And the second is toward this thing called legalism. And we see what legalism is specifically uh, through the context of the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Galatians. We're gonna be in chapter two primarily. We're gonna probably bounce around here and there. Galatians chapter two. Now, the book of Galatians is actually not a book at all. Uh, the book of Galatians is actually a letter. And it was written by a man named Paul to a group of churches in a city called Galatia. And the author of this letter, Paul, is a pretty popular dude in the Bible. Because you see, Paul would go on to write the majority of the New Testament. 
And throughout his ministry, Paul lived as a missionary, meaning that he would travel from place to place to place to place preaching the gospel. And in his life, Paul would take three missionary journeys where he just went all the way around, you know, the Middle East and some parts of Africa. And in his second missionary journey, Paul finds himself in the city that he's writing to. Paul finds himself in Galatia. And he preaches the gospel, the gospel of grace, to the Galatian Christians. And from what we can tell from what Paul says in this letter, they receive this gospel with eagerness, right? They're excited about it. But as soon as Paul leaves, the Galatian Christians are confronted by a group called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers claimed to be Christian. However, they preached a false gospel that said, once you're saved, you have to continue to adhere to the old Jewish law, otherwise you're not saved at all. And so once they hear about the Galatian Christians' conversion, this group, the Judaizers show up and they're like, hey guys, welcome to the family, right? Hallelujah, so glad you guys are here, right? This is such good news, right? You guys are doing such a good work in the city. Um, but we wanted to tell you that now that you're a part of the family, you actually have to do all these extra things, right? Like you have to get circumcised. You have to follow the law. And, and if you don't do those things, then I hate to say it, you're not actually a Christian, right? You're, you're not a believer. And you know, we heard what Paul said to you, you know, by grace through faith. And that sounds good, but honestly, guys, if I can let you in a little secret, uh, Paul's just trying to make you happy, right? He, Paul's a little bit of a people pleaser. And if I'm being honest, he doesn't really know what he's talking about. And so what these Judaizers bring to the Galatian church is legalism. And it's this idea that you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be saved, right? It's the concept that Jesus died for you. Now you have to pay him back. Let's think about it this way. Um, dream with me for a second. We're going to flash forward. We're going to time travel two months time. Okay. It's Christmas morning. All right. You wake up, right? You throw the covers off the bed. You're, you're greeted by a slight chill in the room because miraculously it snowed in East Tennessee on Christmas, right? We've got a white Christmas. So you walk out your bedroom door, you go down the hall, you find yourself in the living room and there's the Christmas tree, a lit, completely surrounded by presents. And the movie Elf is already playing on the TV or one of those creepy claymation Christmas movies that people like for some reason. So you sit down and you wait for the rest of your family to stir out of bed and gradually they do one by one. And then all of a sudden, here comes dad. Right, got the Christmas jammies on, cup of coffee, and in his hand is the greatest Christmas gift that you could possibly receive for where you are in your life right now. It's the car keys to a brand new $80,000 muscle car that's currently sitting in your driveway with a big red bow on the front of it. And so you go up to him, you take the key out of his hand, you look at him with wonder in your eyes. You walk out the front door and there it is your brand new car. You unlock it, you open the car door, you're blasted in that face with that new car smell that gives me a headache, but people love it, right? You get in the front seat, you put the key in the ignition, you turn it over and you listen to that V8 fire up, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest gift that I have ever been given. 
And then you look at the front door and dad's come outside to see your reaction. So you get out of the car, you run up to him and you squeeze his neck as tightly as possible. And you say, dad, I love you. Thank you so much. This is the best gift that you could have possibly given me. And your dad says, I love you too, son or daughter. You can start paying me back for that car whenever you get the chance. All of a sudden, you're going to let go of dad. And you're going to look at him like, what? Dad, I've got 1473 in the bank. Like, what do you expect me to do? And if I'm being honest, that is a completely illogical thing for your dad to say because he gave you a gift. And a gift is exactly that. It's a gift, something given without the expectation of repayment. And thank God that that's exactly what grace is. It's a gift. And we know that from Romans chapter three, verse 23, which says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And we've said this throughout this series so many times, and I'm gonna say it again. There is nothing that you can do to earn grace. Isaiah chapter 64, six says, you at your best, when you think you're at your most righteous, when you're rounding up that extra $2 to donate to charity and McDonald's, right? When you're going on mission trips, when you're doing all these things, when you feel like you're at your best, Isaiah 64, six says, your works are comparable to that of filthy rags. Grace is something that you cannot earn. And ultimately grace isn't grace if you could earn even a smidge of it. And so this concept of legalism is completely contrary to the gospel message. And the worst part about it is, is that these Galatian Christians are starting to buy in on what these Judaizers are telling them. And so once Paul, the author of this letter, catches wind of this, he immediately sits down, puts pen to paper, and he writes this letter. And most New Testament letters, uh, some of you might know this, follow a very similar structure, right? They open with a greeting, right? This is like, hey, this is me. I'm writing this letter. It's a typical greeting. Moving on to the Thanksgiving portion, which says, hey, thankful for your faithfulness. Thank you that you guys are loving one another. Thank you that you, I'm thankful that you guys are serving your community. I'm just thankful for you guys, etc." Then it moves on to the body of the letter, which is where the primary content is. And then it closes with a closing salutation or a benediction. Okay, and every New Testament letter follows this scheme except for Galatians because Paul sits down and does not include a Thanksgiving portion, right? He sits down, he says, hey, this Paul, apostle of Christ Jesus, saved by grace, what the heck are you guys doing, right? Paul says, I am astonished that you guys would so quickly abandon this gospel of grace for a false gospel of works, and then from there, Paul completely dismantles the argument that the Judaizers have brought forth to these churches. And he does so by explaining this gospel message, right? This gospel of grace does not come from man. It only comes from God. 
And he reminds him, right? My, I'm Paul, right? I was the guy who was on my way to kill and imprison those people who were preaching the gospel. That was until Jesus tore open the sky, stopped me, temporarily blinded me, turned me into a new man, and now here I am to share his gospel. And the gospel of Jesus says that there is nothing that can save apart from God, and that includes the law. Galatians 2 verse 16 says this, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And so you see, for those of us who are in the fold of God, Right, for those of us who've been washed by the blood of Jesus, we have been justified, which means that we have been made righteous. And we've been made righteous not by the law, but only through the cross and through Jesus Christ. Because you see, this law that the Judaizers are preaching could never lead to life, it only leads to death. Because this old law is insanely powerful, and our flesh is weak which means that we could never even come close to fulfilling the law. And because we can't fulfill the law, that means we are cursed and condemned by it. However, even though the law doesn't save, it does serve a very special purpose. It points to the one who does save. It points to the one who did fulfill the law. It points to Jesus Christ. And Paul communicates that in verses 18 through 19, where he says, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And you see, because the law doesn't save, Paul says that he has died to the law so that he might live to the one who can save, which is Christ Jesus. And if all this talk about the law and biblical context is going over your head. Let me make it really, really simple for you in the modern era. If you keep looking to what you can do, if you keep trying to earn grace, if you keep trying to pay Jesus back, then you will come up short every single time. Because ultimately, if we could earn our salvation, if we could pay Jesus back, then in the words of Paul, Christ died for no reason. You see, the old law, the law that's talked about in Galatians is found in the Old Testament. And the old law says, if you break the law, you have to pay. Right, you sin, you pay. And so many of us are still living like this. Because you see, you'll mess up, you'll fall into that thing that you've been fighting so hard to defeat, and then you're met with conviction. And instead of doing what God wants you to do and running into his loving arms, you instead go and try to do a bunch of good things to cover up for the bad thing that you did so that you can feel comfortable coming again into the presence of God. And that's not what he wants you to do. 
You see, we don't live under this old law anymore. We live under the new law that was established upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And the new law says this, if you break the law, it's already paid for. And this is the grace that we've received, that all of our sin, all our past sin and all our future sin has been completely washed away by the blood of Jesus. This is the gift of grace. And so now we're back to the question, what do I do with that gift? Right, because some of us over here will say, yeah, that gift's awesome, it it looks great, but honestly, I'm gonna go do everything I wanna do and then I'll come back to it and then I'll open it and then I'll enjoy it. While some others of us will open that gift and we'll say, that is incredible. That is the greatest thing I've ever seen. That is so much better than anything I could have ever possibly offered to the person who gave me that gift. I have to pay him back somehow. And neither one of those answers are correct. So what do we do? What do we do with the gift of grace? And the answer is so simple. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that it's simple. You don't need a PhD to understand it. You don't need a college degree to receive it. What we do with this gift of grace is we receive it. We're thankful for it. We celebrate all the things that it adds to our life, like peace and love and kindness and joy and the assurance that now there is no condemnation for those of us who walk in Jesus. It gives us the understanding that we're now moving closer and closer and closer to Jesus and further and further and further away from sin. You see, in the same way that you received that grace, so also you walk in it. You walk in grace. And this can be so hard for so many of us because we've been brought up in a culture that says work, 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 earn, earn, earn. And what we don't realize is that's not what faith says. That's not what faith expects of us. Because you see what Jesus says is to rest, 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 and to walk with me. In the same way that you have received grace, keep walking in it. Rest in it and celebrate it. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. God, you are so, so good. God, I thank you for everyone that's in this room tonight. God, I thank you for gatherings like this where we get to gather and we get to celebrate the grace that you've given us. Lord, you are so holy, you are so perfect, you are so loving, and Lord, we are so grateful. So God, I pray that you would continue this conversation as these students head off into group. God, be present in their life group rooms. God, speak through their leaders. God, speak through them as they continue to talk to each other about your grace. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.